Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello, everybody. My very special guest on the show is Dr. Judy Morgan. She is a best-selling author and speaker, certified veterinary acupuncturist, chiropractor, and food therapist. So, Dr. Morgan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. So, Dr. Morgan's no stranger to podcast. She has her own, and uh, number one in her radio show there at Dreams Vision 7 Radio, and she's been doing it for two years. So, she, we were just talking about that before we came on. So, Judy, let's go back in time. Where did you grow up, and how did you get into vet medicine? Well, I'm a Jersey girl. I'm from New Jersey, so the east coast of the U.S., and when I was a child, we always had a family dog, but I, you know, but my sister got us into riding horses when we were preteens and my show pony became very lame. And my trainer's daughter was a veterinarian. She came and offered to do a surgery on my pony. She was actually, it was a neurectomy. So they were actually cutting the nerves in his front feet so that it would reduce the pain. He couldn't be ridden anymore, but he could be turned out in the field for retirement. And she allowed me to assist with the surgery. I was in eighth grade, and I thought that was just earth-shattering, coolest thing I'd ever seen. And from that minute on, I was just bound to determine that I was going to be a veterinarian, and I never looked back. One thing that did change is when I went to veterinary school, I really wanted to specialize in equine medicine, so I wanted to work on horses. I did everything horse-focused all the way up until senior year, and halfway through senior year, I had two job offers, one working with horses, one working with small animals, and I took the small animal job. <laughs> so you're working predominantly what, cats and dogs? Yes. My practice does involve horses as well, but a very small percentage. I kind of got back into it over time. I got back into doing the horse work after I got into doing the alternative therapies, the acupuncture, chiropractic. So I don't have a general horse practice, but I will do acupuncture and chiropractic on horses because I really enjoy that facet of it. So you know, there's a huge correlation here, I find, with you know how I approach medicine and what you're doing. And, you know, what was the transition like from general schooling to this alternative integrative approach? Well, that was actually a funny story. And, and I tell that in my first book, the From Needles to Natural. But I had been in practice for maybe nine nine or 10 years. And I bought a practice along with a partner. 
And my partner, he was the senior partner and the majority owner, and he did a lot of orthopedic surgery. I did not do orthopedic surgery, and I thought, well, how can I contribute to you know that part of the practice? And I got this letter in the mail offering a course called Veterinary Orthopedic Manipulation, and it talked about helping your patients heal by doing this process. And I didn't know what it was. It didn't say a whole lot, but I thought, well, that would be a great way to contribute. So I signed up. Halfway through the course, I realized we were talking about doing chiropractic care on animals. And at the time, I didn't have much experience with that. And I thought, oh, geez, should I leave? I don't think my partner's going to approve of this. I'm in the wrong place. I don't even know if I believe in this. But I had paid for it, so I stuck it out. And when I got back to the office, you know, the following week, you know, first case in the door was a dog that wasn't walking. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? And so it was about a 90 pound shepherd. I manipulated the shepherd and the dog literally jumped up and ran out the door. And I went, huh, that was pretty cool. So I just started using it and it blew my mind. And then I had to cry over all the animals that I hadn't helped over the years that had back pain. And we gave them all these drugs and they didn't get better. And, and I thought, man, I could have been helping all these animals instead of euthanizing animals that you know were having mobility issues. So I was just so enamored with it that I then started going off on a lot of different tangents and saying, well, what else can I learn? What else, you know, what other alternative things are out there? And acupuncture was the first one that I was drawn to. But then the whole traditional Chinese medicine really kind of hit a hot button for me. So I learned herbal therapy and twina and food therapy. And the food therapy is actually the thing that I enjoy the most at this point, which is using food for healing instead of using drugs. So I use a combination of things. It was interesting. My last patient of the day today is a huge Bouvier, tons of arthritis, old dog, lots of mobility challenges. And so we finally put together a package for her. And she doesn't do well with medications at all. She just really struggles with any medications. And so we put together a package. We're doing cold laser therapy along with acupuncture, along with the chiropractic. And we're seeing the dog every two weeks. We're about three treatments in and the owner said, oh my gosh, she is doing things that she hasn't done for years. And that's without using medication and that's using our alternatives and putting them together in a package and, you know, a little bit from column A and a little from column B. And I'm sure you're well aware with your own patients, the results can be astounding without having to go for, you know, the opioid crisis as we call it. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, it's, it's what you're describing just sounds like my practice. It sounds how I deal with patients and, you know, some of our audience may be thinking, well, what has this got to do with me, you know? <laughs> and I think it's got everything to do with our audience because whether we're two legs or four legs, we're kind of got a similar anatomy. You know, we've all got one heart and a set of lungs and muscles that are very similar. Joints a little bit different maybe with leg lengths and stuff, but the principles of vet medicine is the same as human medicine. And I think when we run into stumbling blocks like like you do and what I do with my patients, you know, these alternatives um, really come to light. And I know back in the day, oh, 20 years ago, when I looked at some of the research around this, 40% of the Scottish population were uh, looking into complementary medicine. And that's how I got into acupuncture. And acupuncture was my first training in alternative medicines. 
And it blew me away. Like, oh my goodness, people are really going to see these other practitioners. Like, why? And I, you know, I was very naive. No idea about the big world other than just my 10 years of medical school. And um, yeah, I started this process. So I can really relate. And that story of your dog there is just probably common for you, I would imagine, right? Like many dogs and cats come in and they're like, they can't be helped. And then all of a sudden you do your little thing and all of a sudden they get better. Right. Yes. I, I mean, I have so many of them. I have a, another case that I saw yesterday. I had seen the dog last week and the dog had been to the emergency service, been to the emergency service. And, you know, they were told, oh, you've got a spinal cord problem. You need to go get an MRI, go see the neurologist and loaded them up with all kinds of medications. And this one in particular, the man came in and he said, you know, we've tried six different things for this dog. It is not getting better. None of these medications are helping. And this was an older gentleman. I wasn't sure how he was going to take. He was coming to me as a routine client, not as a holistic or specialty client. And I wasn't quite sure how he was going to take it. And I said, well, if you don't mind, I could try doing a chiropractic adjustment on your dog and we'll just see what happens. So I adjusted the dog and he said, wow, like her demeanor just perked up almost immediately. And I said, well, go home and try out the new wheels. Stop back in. If you think she needs another adjustment, if it helped, bring the dog and and I'll do it again. And I said, if it didn't help, just stop in without the dog and tell me it didn't work. And then we'll figure out something else. So halfway through the day, Monday, here he comes. He's got the dog. He says, oh my gosh, she's like a different dog. But I could tell over the last 24 hours, it was starting to wear off a little bit. Can you do your magic again? And I mean, that is just so common that I see that now and it makes me sad again for that first 10 years where I didn't know any of that. But it's still, it's a learning process all the time. And I'm sure you find in your own practice, I learn from every patient that I touch, every patient that I work on, people will come in and, you know, when you have more holistically minded clients, they do a lot of research, you know, and so they find all these supplements or that, you know, these herbs or these, you know, foods or diets or whatever. And so they're always coming in and questioning and they're always coming in and bringing something that they found and saying, what do you think about this? And sometimes they bring me things that I go, hey, that's really cool. I actually really like that one. Let me do some more research on that. And so I've actually gotten therapies from some of my clients who have brought in things that they've found that I'm like, oh, I really like that. Or let me look into that. So it's an evolving learning process. You never stop learning with this. And every, I'm sure in, in your practice as well, every patient teaches us something. You know, I look at them and I'm like, wow, that worked really well for you. I should try that on this other one that's kind of like you. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a patient in oh, maybe just two weeks ago and he was talking about this uh, gel supplement, joint supplement from the Silica Hills in, in America. I'm not too sure. I think down south. And it was like this osteocomplex that was absorbing toxins from the body and he swore by it so I kind of researched it and sure enough there was like studies double blended crossover studies proving the benefits of this stuff and um, I think it was called silica gel and um, yeah even one of my local professors of rheumatology was on YouTube saying yeah this is good this is good stuff (laughs) and I was like whoa whoa this is impressive so I tucked that one in my back pocket you know ready to pull it out when somebody says hey what do you think about joint supplements um, because you know we, we need to find the right combination for us, no matter what we're doing, right? Exactly. Exactly. So exactly. That- and you know, I tell my clients all the time with it, you know, and 
because I have a large social media following, people will, you know, get on my Facebook page or, uh, you know, my Instagram and they'll say, well, you know, what about this? And, you know, what's the best thing to feed my, you got a Westie, what's the best diet for the Westie? And I'm like, I have no clue because I don't know your dog. And everyone is an individual. And it's interesting, I was talking to one of my technicians yesterday about... Once every couple of years, we decide to do the biggest loser in our office. Not everybody needs to lose a lot of weight, but we just, we kind of do it as a challenge to each other to really put ourselves in a position of getting in shape, you know, drinking your water and, and going to the gym and shedding that couple of extra pounds, but we make it a friendly competition. So she was saying, oh, I think I'm going to use the Mediterranean diet. So she brings it up on her phone and I looked at it and I said, yeah, that won't work for me. And so my diet tends to be a little more paleo. I don't like starches at all for my body. It just doesn't work. And so we got into this discussion and she said, you know, this is the same discussion that we have with our clients about their pets. There's no one size fits all. Like you can't say that all people would do better on a Mediterranean diet or all people would do better on a vegetarian or a paleo or a pescatarian. It's an individual thing for each body type and, you know, each makeup. And I think that sometimes we people think that we just have this one prescription that fits every single person that we treat or every animal that we treat. And it's, it's not, there's no two individuals on this planet that are exactly the same. Do you find with nutrition that there's a tendency for certain diet plans for, for your dogs and, and cats? Yeah, so I've actually written three cookbooks for dogs. Uh, I have not written the cat cookbook yet. But my latest one, which is Yin and Yang Nutrition for Dogs, Maximizing Health with Whole Foods, Not Drugs, is written from a Chinese medicine standpoint. So it talks about the five Chinese elements and the personalities of the dogs. And this goes for people too, that go along with each element. And then how you would feed that element to support that personality. So for instance, a fire personality. The fire think, you know, redhead, joyful, talking, life of the party, wearing the lampshade at the party. So in the dog world, that's the Irish setters. They're redheads, they're vocal, they're happy, they leap around, like they're really hard to calm them down. And that element is ruled by the heart and the small intestine. Well, if we allow it to get out of balance, then that dog's going to develop, you know, heart issues or a Shen disturbance, which is a mind disturbance, or they're going to develop inflammatory bowel disease in their small intestine. So we have to design their diet to support them and try to head those things off at the past, kind of see when they're coming. So we change diets according to the seasons, according to the personalities, according to what disease conditions they have. And what's really interesting, I do private webinars and the groups that watch the webinars, they'll be watching them and we'll be talking about a specific personality or a wood personality or a fire personality. And they'll say, oh, that's my dog. Hey, wait a minute, that's me. You know? And the thing is, that goes across all species, you know, the energetics and the personalities and the Chinese order of things. So it's really interesting. People will actually use my dog cookbook for themselves and look at it and say, well, you know, I'm having problems with my heart element right now. So I need to eat the foods in this category. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So yeah, it really, there's no one fit. It's really assessing the overall picture of the dog and um, moving forward from there. So maybe, you know, our audience members will probably have dogs and animals themselves <laughs> and they grab a book for the dog and hey, maybe help them too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on, on the side. Okay. And what were the other two 
books you wrote on nutrition for your animals? Oh, well, let's see. My original book is From Needles to Natural Learning Holistic Pet Healing. And that one is kind of my journey in becoming a veterinarian, but then also talks about the different disease problems that we see in dogs and cats. There's a little bit in horses in there and how they're looked at from a traditional standpoint versus an alternative standpoint and different ways to treat them and diagnose them. There's also a lot of information on vaccinations and all the ones that you don't need <laughs> and uh, chemicals and medications for fleas and ticks and parasites and how to avoid using all the harsh stuff. The second book I wrote is called What's for Dinner Dexter. It's a cookbook. The third one is called Canine Kitchen Capers, which is a humorous look at cooking for spouses and dogs. That one's a funny cookbook. Most of the stories were submitted by other people that had cooking fiascos while making meals for their families and their dogs. And then the last one, the yin and yang nutrition for dogs. Amazing. Okay. Um, you know, some of our audience will be well aware of what you're talking about and, you know, they get it, but some will not. So can you explain how chiropractic adjustments actually help mobility for Seattle dogs? The big difference in chiropractic care for people versus dogs is the bowling ball just sits in a different place. So us, the bowling ball sits on the top and we have all this compression going down. For our animals, the bowling ball hangs off one end and so it's always, you know, pulling the spine this way. But what happens is that, something will trigger a nerve to fire and a muscle will go into spasm. And when that muscle goes into spasm, then the spine becomes locked and basically becomes immobile. When the spine becomes locked in position and immobile, then instead of the legs having a free-flowing motion, they're moving more like pistons and that causes more joint trauma. So we get a lot more arthritis if we don't keep the spine in motion, basically. So instead of having that locked up spine, that spine should be a slinky. If you stand behind them and watch them moving away from you, their tail head should have this flowing back and forth motion. Their legs should be moving in a really nice fluid motion. And you should see the spine having almost a wave form up and down this way and also side to side. So there should be all this fluidity in the spine. When we don't have that fluid motion and the spine is just stuck and locked in one place, we don't get good nerve flow, we don't get good blood flow. And so we can get muscle atrophy and we get that piston motion of the legs and we get more arthritis. So by adjusting the spine, putting motion back into the spine is really what we're doing. We open up and we allow better nerve flow and better blood flow. And then we get that fluid motion back and that decreases pain because we're bringing blood flow back into that area and increasing circulation. And that circulation is bringing in healing. It brings in oxygen. It brings in the nutrients that the muscles and the joints need. Perfect. Now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously ask that question for myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, wonderful. it's a little harder to watch a person, you know, but, but really, if you watch a really good runner, you'll notice that their arms are nice and relaxed in fluid motion and their legs just are this fluid motion. And then you watch those people who are not runners, but they've decided they're going to run to get in shape and you watch them and just everything is tense. You know, or you may watch them from behind and you notice that one shoulder is six inches lower than the other shoulder and they're kind of hobbling along in a C. That's somebody who could really use a trip to the chiropractor. <laughs> 
Do anybody listen to this and they look in the mirror tonight and they think, oh, my shoulder is off alignment with the other one. And once you start looking, I know myself, when you start looking for these things, you see them all the time. It's quite yeah, remarkable. I, we used to have show horses. And so we would go to shows all the time and I'd watch these horses go around the ring and I'd be like, oh man, that horse needs an adjustment. Oh man, that horse is just not using that leg well. That horse's whole butt is locked up. You know, and then I would make the mistake of going up to people and going, um, excuse me, um, your horse could really use an adjustment. He's kind of not moving right. And oh, people would get so mad. And I wasn't yeah. even looking for work. I was just trying to like, <laughs> your horse could, you know, go find a chiropractor. Your horse really will help. You know, and I had to stop doing that because people got mad at me. I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I've worked with chiropractors for several years now in several offices and often shared patients. And sure enough, you know, they get a lot more benefit, I find, once I release the tension in the muscles because the muscles hold. Oh, yeah, the absolutely. Back, right? When those muscles are just holding that, if you don't get that release, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why particularly people, it's not as bad in animals, but you know, you can start going to the chiropractor, you're going three times a week for the rest of your life. And that's because you're not releasing those muscles and the muscles have muscle memory. So, you know, you get the motion back in the spine and you walk out of there and you're feeling really good. And then you go home, you go to sleep and the next day you wake up and you're, because those muscles just went and took it right back. Exactly. Anybody listening, you know, acupuncture can help this. Acupuncturists can help this. Physios, I'm not too sure how common this is in the States, but physios up here do lots of dry needling, acupuncture needles into muscles. I did it for 12 years. And then there's like trigger point injections, which is a little bit different. I think it's more fascial release in addition to the muscle release. And MDs do do that in my neck of the woods in BC and across the country. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you need a, you know, you're only going to chiropractor lots and lots and lots, just make sure those muscles are being dealt with as well. So seek out the appropriate people in your yep. area. Okay, well, Judy, listen, thanks so much for our little chat today. It was fun, you know, d- jumping worlds into the uh, the canine and co. And I can look at my dogs with a little bit different. Per- <laughs> Tonight, when I go running with them, I will be looking at their their swag, you know, their swag. Back yeah, yes, they should have that. And if they don't have that, then you've got to do some muscle release and some massage and, you know, make them feel better. <laughs> I'll just make sure I don't do the treatments. No, no, I'll leave that to somebody else. But listen, any final uh, comments you want to leave? Anything you want to share? Yes. Here's a tip. One of the problems that I see in my practice very often is I get these older, big dogs, you know, 100-pound dogs that are down in the back end. And then I've got owners who are trying to carry these dogs, lift these dogs, help them up and down stairs. If you have a dog that has mobility challenges and you are having to help that dog, get the right harnesses on those dogs so that you do not strain your back and hurt yourself. I see it all the time. It's kind of like put your own oxygen mask on before you help somebody else with their oxygen mask. There's a couple different ones. Help them up and rockware are harness systems that you can put on your dogs and they basically have little suitcase handles on them so that you can lift your pets very easily. But if you strain your back and hurt yourself trying to lift that dog, then you're no help to the dog. And then both of you are out of commission. And that's a bigger problem for the dog than it is for you, actually. So, you know, make sure that you are caring for yourself. And this goes for if you're caring for an elderly family member or an elderly large dog, they're no different. Make sure you care for yourself so that you're able to care for them. Excellent tip. Thank you so much. Well, listen, it's been real fun having a 
veterinary physician on here and a holistic <laughs> practitioner really opened my mind to where this show could go now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, you know, listen, I really wish you all the best. I know you're up to lots with books and shows and speaking engagements, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been real fun touching base and I hope to touch base with you in the future sometime. So. Well, thank you very much. And anybody who needs more information, uh, website is drjudymorgan.com. Really simple, drjudymorgan.com. Okay, well, check that out. If you've got animals, you want some help, the, probably the best place to go and find that. So again, thank you, Judy, and you have a great day. Thank you.